Hey everyone, this amazing ESO Network show is brought to you by our fine sponsor, Amazon.com. Please remember to shop Amazon for all your geeky needs, no matter what time of the year it is. All you need to do is go to ESOPodcast.com slash ESO Amazon, or click on the Amazon banner on the ESO Network webpage to go to our e-store. It's the best way to shop and the best way to support this program, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Okay, that's enough of me babbling for now. Now on with your regular scheduled show. Hi, this is Mark. Congratulations. You have found this amazingly awesome show. Chances are you're listening to it right now on whether it's iTunes or Stitcher Radio or some other mobile app that allows you to stream this amazingly awesome show to your ear holes. And I can't stress how awesomely amazing this show really is. But did you know that you can also catch the latest episode of this show on the Tangibound Network? That's right. Go check out tangiboundnetwork.com. You can look them up and you can listen to it right there. It's even mobile friendly. What more could you ask for? Which means you can pull it up on your iPhone or your Android, even your Windows phone. Yeah, who has one of those? But still, point remains. You can do it. You can do it. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. Check it out. I'm Chris Farrell from the official GunnaGeek.com podcast, a proud member of the GunnaGeek network, just like the show you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready, because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, Josh Peterson and I are talking about movie franchises. Do we love them, hate them, or are we somewhere in between? We also discuss the future of Destiny 2 and its new alignment with the Battle.net community. And we share our thoughts on Tom Hardy getting the role as Venom and contemplating if this spinoff for Sony is a good idea. All this plus cuts from the latest Super BS Gamescast and Topicocalypse programs from Humanica Media. And we play one of our favorite songs from Hyperschmidt. And I share my opinion to Josh on his favorite film of 2017, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. It's another grab bag full of podcast goodies we have for you today as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. How is everyone there today? Thank you so much for listening. We are the number one show on the podcast radio network three months in a row. I still, I'll tell you what, I still cannot believe that every time I say that and I just cannot believe it. It's all because of you and we thank you so much for listening to our program Number one, three months in a row on the podcast radio network every Monday night, 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific on the podcast radio network. We've also got our Friday show, the PCC Multiverse. That's available on the podcast radio network, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific right there and then. And if you like either of the shows or you miss one of our shows and you want to download it, you can do so anytime at all by going to any one of these outlets. Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast.com, Mixcloud, 
the ESO network, TuneIn, the Tangibound network, the Gunny Geek network as well, and also Overcast.fm. Any one of those outlets, it's now 10 strong at least, and it's growing hopefully week by week by week. You can just go ahead and download it. And when you do, we always throw in an extra podcast, or we try to anyways, in each and every episode that we put up there, the Pop Culture Cosmos or PCC Multiverse shows, just uh, so that you can have a little bonus. It's our way of saying thank you for downloading the show. Could be a Humanican Media show, could be a Rob McCallum Films production, could be a Galaxy Far, Far Away, could be something from the Wine, Women, and Words, Game Source. You never know. We just add one on there as a bonus just because we like you so much and appreciate you for downloading our shows. So speaking of Humanica Media and all the great things we do, who is back here today but my good friend, the man, the myth, the legend, the evil creator of Humanica Media, it's Josh Peterson. How are you, my friend? It's my diabolical laugh, you know. When you say evil, you have to add stuff in like that or else it just loses the effect. Yeah. All right, sorry, sorry, I did not. The, the evil mastermind. <laughs> of there we go. One day we'll have our own soundboard and maybe a sound effect. I had to click buttons. Well, I'll tell you what. When this when this airs on the radio, I'll actually put it on. There. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. I can I can live with that. Okay, fair enough. So after the evil laugh has just played, what is going on with the evil production known as Humanity Media? Hey, just business as usual, man. We got a uh, another Super Bro Station coming at you this week. Uh, I think we're playing the next episode as part of this show. And we have a uh, new What About This being recorded on Saturday and a new Topic Topicocalypse premiering Thursday. Well, we actually have bits and pieces of it today on, on the program. And then also for downloading it, we're going to throw a segment from the latest Topic Topicocalypse as well. So... Definitely appreciate everything that Humanican Media does for us, so it's definitely going to be great indeed. We're going to play cuts of the Super BS podcast and Topic Ocalypse later in the program. So definitely looking forward to that indeed. And we just want everybody to know out there, our great site, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. Josh contributes heavily as far as reviews and, and gaming thoughts and, and reviews and whatnot on the gaming world, plus also movie reviews. I've done a few movie reviews and, and things about pop culture relating to movies, gaming, electronics, technology as well. So you want to check that out. But also we've had some really hard-hitting issues. Michelle Levis, obviously one of the uh, – or probably our, our highest reading story about the – was right after the presidential election and definitely was something that was very timely and still, even today, still very timely and very profound, the – the letter that she wrote on our site, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. And then also Diana Tierney. She has written a lot of great things as well for our site. So definitely appreciate both them contributing as much as they can when they can. But also we've had a contribution this weekend from an individual we cannot say. We're, we're protecting, protecting that individual's identity. But this in regards to some very serious issues as well as far as domestic violence and whatnot. So that's touched upon. So if, if you're looking to find out more from, from a story that's very unfortunate to tell, but I think needs to be told, please check that out, 
popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. It's a couple great stories indeed. If you're looking for a hard topics like that to tackle, the guys at What About This and also Topicopolis, definitely they uh, fit the bill on a lot of other those great topics that they chew the fat on. I know on your latest Topicopolis, it's a little different though, isn't it? The one we're going to play a clip from later today? Correct. This one is very car-centered. Just just some interesting thoughts about cars that we'll, we'll never own, but they're still fun to talk about. Uh, it, it revolves around the uh, Dodge, the SRT Demon, and the Camaro Hellcat, which is being made by um, Tennessee's making it. Definitely some great topics indeed to talk about. That's Topicopolis, and you're actually going to get a taste of that later in the show. So I know you got a chance to check out the Vice.com article that covers a, a great topic, which we definitely allude to on, on almost a weekly basis because we talk about it on almost a weekly basis. And that's the involvement of the movie industry as far as maybe the movie universe deal is taken way too far. I know that they said that, uh, well, I don't want to quote them word for word, but the inference is that movie universes may be bad for the film industry as a whole. So I want to hear your thoughts in regards to this. I know you've been adamantly against movie universes maybe just not being the way for original filmmaking to be made. So so I want to hear more on what you think about movie universes and do you really think that they're going to be downfall of the actual movie industry as a whole? Uh, that's that's interesting because yeah, I know we talked about this, especially with King Arthur, how I was saying, you know, though King Arthur's not hundred percent original, it's you know, it was the most original idea that's been out for a while. I think that we're so people are watching what Marvel's doing and Marvel's been extremely successful, but that's different because that's a comic book and those characters are meant to be together because they have always existed in the same universe. Whereas you have Universal trying to make their uh, joint monster universe and you have all these characters who were never meant, they were just meant to be standalone characters. They were never meant to join together. Like I don't care to see the mummy or Emotep or whatever the, the girl's name is join with uh, Dracula or Frankenstein. Like I don't, I don't see how that could be interesting to me. It'd be just like a, uh, you know, watching Scooby-Doo and seeing, uh, you know, the people from the Andy Griffith show on there. It's just, it is what it is, but. Well, um, you know, Scooby-Doo is now doing uh, some stuff with the guys from Supernatural. And I thought that was like. <sighs> I know I was reading about that. They're going to do a cartoon episode. But yeah, it, it seems like these, this is all that we're getting. I know. Yeah. Scrappy. Scrappy. Oh, don't, um, you, don't you dare say Scrappy. Don't you dare. You'll be <laughs> off the show. um but yeah i know this is this came up from the uh obviously it was the alien covenant article that they were talking about mostly um did you have a chance to watch alien covenant yet no i have not i just finished watching king arthur legend of the sword you know recently and uh that was uh it's gonna be you know my fill in for for filming for maybe a couple days because i had to breathe all that in let's just put it that way so Okay, I'm, I'm going to ask you about that again in a few minutes here. Um, but Alien Covenant, okay, so this, I know we, we touched briefly on this the other day, but yeah, what they're doing is, like, by the time Ridley Scott's done, there's going to be, what, seven or eight Alien films? Um, and it, it's like, we, we're, so, we're so tied to these sequels, we're so stuck on these combined universes and franchises, and 
nobody is creating anything new. The, the indie filmmakers are, are the ones that are giving us our fill of original content. And then you, you've, we've created this business model. Even Steven Spielberg has said it, that if we rely so heavily on these summer blockbusters that if one of them were to fail, say like King Arthur did, or uh, we, you know, we have another John Carter or say, you know, God forbid this Pirates of the Caribbean movie coming out this week ends up crashing and burning that we're essentially putting the, the film industry is essentially putting themselves in a position to crash the entire, uh, you know, the entire system because they're so reliant on this movie to make money off of this. Like if a Marvel film tanked and it was the only movie coming out that year, that was severely danger them financially, I'd imagine. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm curious. Like, I, I really want to get out. I want to write an article about this. I want to get out and talk to people and see how they feel about the idea of a franchise. Because, like, Alien uh, Prometheus really went to some interesting places. And then uh, with Alien Covenant, they just kind of erased the whole thing and uh, in service of something we've already seen. So that's the problem with franchises is that they keep showing us things we've already seen, like Predator, Alien you know, Avatar, I'm sure, and whenever James Cameron decides to finally release that. But you, you know what I mean? And there's a reason why that it actually performed below expectations. It looks like it's going to be hitting just over $35 million for the, for the weekend, which may or may not, once the final adjustments are made, stay at number one for the weekend over Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Although that could be, like I said, adjusted once the Monday actual totals come out could be flip-flopped, which definitely is disappointing indeed because that's almost $20 million less in the original weekend that Prometheus did, which tells me that people are are starting to hit some franchise fatigue already, even on this somewhat rebooted platform. So if that's the case, maybe that doesn't spell good news for the Alien franchise and Ridley Scott's plans going forward. Now, mind you, it was a less of a cost than, let's say, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, like almost half the cost uh, of that as far as closer to $100 million than than the King Arthur costing close to 200 So that may save it, uh, you know, and also as well, some good international numbers could actually still enhance further editions of the franchise going forward. And plus, Alien is always going to get a better break than, than most because of its long history. But we just heard here today earlier that there's uh, the Resident Evil franchise is being considered for a six-movie reboot from Sony, which... You know, I didn't say it was out of the realm of possibility. In fact, I even mentioned on a previous podcast, I thought that could be the case between Resident Evil or Underworld, although both being revived would not be out of the realm of possibility. But it's definitely looking more and more like a Resident Evil 6 rebooted franchise. But does the world really need those type of franchises? I mean, it just seems to be a fixation by these movie industry types to have these consistent what they think is money-making machines where they can create a whole world and all universe that fans have to stay tuned to watching from point A to point Z. But the problem is in the case if uh, of a lot of them, the they're not staying in tune. So most fans don't want to see what happens from point A to point Z after they watch the first one or two films. It's just not keeping their interest. But with Universal trying to do its own monster universe, Sony trying to do its own Spider-Man universe, and and so many others trying to develop their own movie universes, it's just really kind of ridiculous. And you know, and DC has still hasn't gotten it right with their own movie universe. 
and even Marvel, when it comes, it's had its high and low points in in its own universe. But they're one of the better examples of a movie universe that people keep wanting to come back to time and time again. So I think everybody's trying to grab that brass ring to what Marvel has or what Star Wars has. And and there are very few that that can actually do that. Fast and the Furious is still going strong with its universe, kind of, so to speak. Transformers. There's also as well. Uh, I don't know. It's, it, everybody seems to want to latch onto that really high level of of movie universe and, and create that whole interweb that people seem to that they think that movie audiences will be able to to stay in tune to, but. As you can see, there's with a lot of them, there's already franchise fatigue already. Yeah, and here's my thoughts on this. I think that The Dark Tower will be the last, uh, I guess, hope for uh, original concepts like or, or a, a non-franchise-based film. If Dark Tower doesn't do well, then that's just going to prove that we're right about what it is we're saying right now. And it's dangerous because... You know, you have like Resident Evil we're talking, you have six movies, so they want viewers to go from one all the way to six, but say like three or four is awful, and then that makes it so you're spending all this money on, you know, two or three other films that nobody's going to want to watch because you left that bad taste in their mouth. And who was really clamoring for a reboot to Resident Evil? Because I know that those numbers, though... It made back its budget. Those numbers were still very low for because Paul Anderson. Mm-hmm. Okay, his wife A was the leading star. That's always a great thing. And B, you know, he uh, just basically was was very frugal in the way they spent money and and had the special effects that okay, we're not the most realistic in the world and kind of look corny at times, but they had a wink, wink, nod, nod the entire time to the whole franchise, but. Even they, you know, with all the international numbers that he did, that's where they that's where they really became strong as one of the first franchises to really start hitting home worldwide. But they actually, you know, their numbers even dwindled. This latest offering, the final offering with with Anderson and, and uh, Mila Jovovich, just really just did not perform. But still, their their break even point was so low comparative to other big budget action films. Is that that you know? It looks like it still will end up paying off, and it, and overall, it's a billion dollar franchise overall. So you, so no one can can say uh, you know they didn't do a good job with that. And obviously, Sony's trying to rekindle some of that magic down the road. Right, and it's um, you know whether or not it'll work, we'll just have to see. But it's you know it, it makes me sad that we're not seeing uh, you know we're we're not just seeing a lot of franchises, but we're seeing a lot of rebooted franchises because i know lionsgate has been discussing heavily for the past couple years rebooting the twilight saga and also the hunger Games saga so it's just it's a franchise is one thing a, a joint universe is one thing whatever we'll see if it works but when you start rebooting properties over and over again instead of but so soon so you know that's so that's soon another. instead of investing in something new because there's plenty of great books out there there's plenty of great novels that people like to read plenty of great comic books it's I just, I don't understand it there. It's like that old saying, you know, if it's broke, don't fix it. But like there it's the, in the film industry, it's, it's like, you know, if it's not broke then let's beat it to death. And Lord of the Rings, even though Lord of the Rings, the universe there and the Hobbit universe connected were made a ton of money and every edition still made quick, made a substantial amount on each and every edition. 
by the end battle of five armies, I could sense that even fans and moviegoers out there were kind of fatigued on it as well. And, and basically if there was another one that would have come out, I think it would have just suffered from, from exactly that. Just really some real fatigue indeed. What are everyone's thoughts out there on movie franchises? Are you okay with it? Do you like getting yourself invested in a universe from point A to point C or have you had enough outside of the, you know, the Lord of the Rings, the Fast and Furious, the Star Wars, the Marvel, some of the more popular movie franchises? Are you tired of seeing every single film that that's almost seemingly put out week on a week have the plans going forward to try to tie into a universe of some sort? Let us know your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com, plus also as well, Humanica Media, Game Source. And Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook and Twitter as well. Well, again, I said uh, it's going to be a great show here today. We appreciate, again, you listening to us. And first off, we've got a great song right here coming up from our good friend, Chad and Hyperschmidt. This is about to win because this is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Waiting just to see the light. When did this become a fight? Struggle just to fill my lungs with air. Staring at the finish line, the darkness running out of time. I'll do what it takes to get you there.
that's about to win from Hyperschmidt. Catch all their great songs today on YouTube. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. Hey everyone, if you're in the Southern California area and are looking for the best way to improve your home, look no further than adding some always green synthetic grass today. Whether it's creating that awesome backyard that's kid and pet friendly, or that putting green to work on your golf game, always green provides installation and landscaping with only American-made products such as their famous synthetic turf with advanced drainage technology and backed by a 15-year warranty that will have your yard looking great for a very long time. Always Green also installs retaining walls, custom lighting and driveways, and the most beautiful stone walkways. So if you live in the Southern California area, what are you waiting for? Financing is also available, so call for a free estimate today. 714-614-7814. That's 714-614-7814. Or stop by their store at 16772 Wanda Circle in Huntington Beach. And get your home looking great with Always Green Synthetic Turf and Putting Greens. A proud sponsor of Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanican Media, and the PCC Multiverse Channels. Grab up your engines because the crew from Topicocalypse is talking cars on their next program. Eddie, what do you got for us? So uh, I'm going to switch it up and go to cars. Um, I want to talk about that movie. Oh wait! I don't wait. know. I'm not excited about Cart- the third one though. Uh, the second, the second, the second one wasn't that great. I'm expecting the third to not be so good. And this one, he's gonna crash and then turn him into a hybrid. <laughs> he's a Prius. So have you seen the BMW, the i8? I think it is. I, I, I could, I could own that. I could own that hybrid. It's a pretty nice looking car. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and go over the Dodge, Dodge Challenger uh, SRT Demon. Okay. And I'm gonna do its counterpart, which uh, I, I'm not gonna really, I guess, count call it a counterpart because Camaro is not, or Chevy's not actually making the Camaro of this. So I'm gonna talk tonight about the Demon and the Exorcist. Okay. Um, so the Dodge Demon. Um, it's coming out with a 6.2 liter Hemi. A lot of people have come out. There's so much speculation because, you know, the car's, you know, still getting its fine tunings and such. Um, a lot of people are coming out and saying, well, there's no difference between that and a Hellcat V8. Same exact engine. Well, there's actually, they've, they finally released on Dodge's website. Uh, there's going to be 25 major component upgrades from the Hellcat that include some inclusions are pistons, rods, uh, supercharger, valve train, and a new fuel injection injection system. The larger supercharger is going to give you 2.7 liters instead of the 2.4. Um, increased boost pressure to 14.5 psi. Um, it's going to get you an extra 300 rpm at 6,500. Uh, fuel, you're looking at two dual stage fuel pumps. Um, a large induction box with three sources of intake air, an air grabber, a hood scoop, and their hood scoop is actually the largest hood scoop 
that comes off a production car. Um, a dual air catcher headlamp um, and an inlet, inlet near the uh, wheel. Um, though it's really hard to call this because uh, Dodge is making all, this cla- all these claims about it as far as being uh, the fastest accelerating car off of a production line. It's supposed to go uh, 0 to 60 in 2.3 seconds. Um, they're saying it's the first ever factory production car with an SRT power chiller. Um, first ever production car with an after-run cooler, which is the Cooler 13. Um, fastest factory production car designed to run on high-octane fuel. Um, so they're making a bunch of claims. World's most powerful production car. World's fastest quarter-mile production car. 9.65 estimated time at 140 miles an hour, as certified by NHR 16. It, it's estimated because it's not actually... They don't. They, they don't know they yet. They haven't put rubber to the road yet. Yeah. yeah. The, the interesting thing, and before I go too far in, is you know they're making all these claims about being a production car. When I think production car, I'm thinking, you know, 30,000, 30, 40,000 units, um, so on and so forth. They're only going to be making 3,300 of these guys. Um, 300 of them going to Canada, 3,000 staying here in America. Um, in the United States of America. Of course, Canada is in North America. But 3,300 for North America, 300 going to Canada, uh, 3,000 for here in the United States. Um, my thought is on that is what's going to happen is these guys are going to come out. They're saying it's going to be under $100,000. There's no exact price figure yet. These things are going to be bought up really quick, and they're going to go in people's garages. They may be raced a couple times, but they'll go in people's garages. They'll be babied in, you know, for probably 40, 50 years. And then they'll be sold on an auction block. It's a, it's a Corvette, pretty much. A, same mentality. Yeah. So, But Corvettes are going to continually be made. So I'm wondering if the Dodge Demon, if it becomes like this huge popular thing, obviously I think it'd go into further production. But I think what Dodge is thinking is, you know what, being that this price tag is here, and after you hear some of the stuff you, you get with it, you're going you're gonna to be like, okay, well, this car is not for me. Yeah. Um, it looks so, like no car is really for anybody. With it, you get a custom-painted demon crate. Woo! So you ask yourself, oh my gosh, custom-painted? What do I get in the demon crate? And I'm going to go ahead and tell you what you get in a demon crate. Is it crate. like a loot crate? <laughs> Just bigger, and it's metal. Um, so you get an exclusive personalized demon crate, which includes direct connection performance parts, front-runner wheels, and wait, the wait, demon's... Wait, wait, wait. Huh? Crates, so they're giving you parts. Crate, yeah. And what do you do with them? Well, I think, it's, I think it's like the Ford GT... They give you like all the like a little owner supplied kit and you can change out little things to make it yours. That's Topicocalypse available this week on our Humanican Media outlets. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you listening out there each and every Monday night, 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific on a podcast radio network. And we truly appreciate you being a part of the Pop Culture Cosmos itself. Any questions uh, to us as well, just send it along, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com or popculturecosmoshumanicamedia.com. Or Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. So, Josh, 
Uh, I know you've been uh, scouring the internet as you always do. You've been taking a look at everything that's going on out there. But I want to know your thoughts on Destiny 2. Have you seen the the most recent gameplay footage out there? Yes, I have watched the trailers. And and, uh, and the initial gameplay on it, they showed even a little basic raiding action and whatnot. Seems to be a little bit of an upgrade from what we saw in the original Destiny. But what are your thoughts as someone who didn't really want to get invested into it before, but now looks like maybe that it's kind of looking the other way around? I don't know, man. I just, I'm not a big fan of these massive online games. Like if I can, if I can play it by myself and I don't have to, uh, you know, interact with, with, for me, like gaming is a very personal experience unless I'm playing like Halo online or something, unless I want to play the multiplayer, I'd rather play it by myself. And, uh, with Destiny, I know you have to be on a network with other players. You have to, you, some of the missions, you actually have to have people in your party to play. And if I don't have friends that are coaxing me into playing the game, I'm probably not going to pick it up. Well, one of the reasons why I say that is because Activision and also as well Blizzard are so closely intertwined as a company, but they've always kept their properties apart. You know, if, you know, let's go with Overwatch and obviously, you know, Warcraft and all that. On one side, yet we have Call of Duty and Destiny on the other side. Well, now with the announcement of Destiny 2, and obviously we've seen some gameplay footage out there and whatnot, they, along with that, announced that they're going to have Destiny 2 become part of the Battle.net experience, which most obviously know from playing any Blizzard game that's pretty much out there as far as interacting on an MMO basis. So I ask you, Josh, is this a good maneuver for Destiny 2 as far as becoming a – actually, obviously, making more attractive to you or to anyone out there to those who, who don't have that clan, that don't have that set form team that, that make it more attractive to the, the average gamer and also someone who just wants to have a good experience but doesn't really want to go ahead and team up you know, like you and I are just regular gamers to go along. Maybe we don't want to play every night the same game, whatnot. We just want to have a great casual experience. Do you think the the alignment with Battle.net will actually make it more attractive to casual gamers to playing Destiny 2? We'll have to see. It's definitely an interesting idea, um, and there'd be more support that way, uh, and uh, as far as that goes. But Battle.net, it's all about um, community. Like that's Blizzard's big thing is creating an online community. Uh, clans have people come together become friends and uh you know play these games together and i it's it's weird because i don't of the people i know that play destiny they don't like warcraft like most of the people i know so it's going to be it's an interesting dynamic in order for me to like fully examine it i would have to get on both of those games i've never played wow and i, I dabbled in destiny for a few minutes but um i mean it seems like a good decision as far as like tech support goes and having you know those those platforms to turn to but as far as the gamers go i think it's if you're looking to play this game by yourself it's probably not going to work in your favor but if you're going to play with friends it's probably going to be a really great experience for you well i have a tendency to agree with you on that sense but i know that that activision is trying to make a more concerted effort to make it a more attractive game to those not willing or not wanting to be a part of a clan and also wanting to go ahead and have that singular experience. They're trying to make it more story driven 
make it a more attractive story because I know that was obviously one of the main faults of the original Destiny was trying to to build that storyline indeed. So definitely uh, looking forward to seeing if Destiny 2 will fill up more to its promise because when Destiny came out, there were some real issues with the game itself. They've gone on in the two plus years, really have done a great job of, of building something uh, that, that's attractive to a larger audience now. Now it's with Destiny 2, they need to go ahead and take an even broader step to reach an even larger audience and make it more attractive to a casual gaming scene and not just have those hardcores support the game entirely as it seems to have taken place over the past year, year and a half or so. What are your thoughts? Do you think Destiny 2 is going to be something that is more approachable and more attractive to the casual gamer and not just strictly relegated to the, well, the the hardcores that are out there that have been playing Destiny 2 and supporting the game for so long. Tell us your thoughts on PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com, plus also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanican Media, and GameSource on Facebook and Twitter as well. Hi, this is Josh from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. The guys from the Super BS Gamescast are back talking the latest news in the gaming world. You're right. Microsoft renews trademark yeah. for canceled game Scalebound. What on earth? So what does this mean? Does I mean? guess it means it that mean? they're we're probably going to make a different game called Scalebound. Yeah, Scalebound Fable coming soon. Uh, yeah, that that is a game series. Uh, not I don't want to delve too much into E3 because we got a lot of little things to talk about, not a lot of time. But uh, Fable, that's a game I would love to see at E3. I would love to see another non weird, strange, just normal Fable. They had plans like Peter Molyneux. Well, how do you pronounce his last name? Molyneux. Molyneux. But it doesn't matter. He's gone. He's, he's with gone. But he said Cam. the studio had plans for Fable Five, and it's supposed to take place. Fable Four. Like, Fable Four, and it's supposed to take place in like the uh, steampunk. Type that's kind of how they all were is they had like guns yeah. and stuff um i just didn't i if it if it surfaces i just hope that's not like dishonored you know it's we have that type of game uh it wouldn't be like dishonored ever yeah. uh because dishonored is a first person game and stealth but and i mean just, nothing just, i'm talking about like the world that it exists in. And did you I mean, play fable 3 though that's the same that, that's yeah, like that's pretty similar it's gonna be like there's gonna be guns I just and heard, is fable 3 the one where you're on the prison island is that the you go through when you're talking about leveling up. You go through gates and unlock treasure chests. But there's like a prison that you get sent to in the very le- end of the game. Is that Fable Three? Oh, I didn't beat Fable Three. Fable no, Three is where you become so. king. Spoiler, sorry. Fable Three is where you become king, like halfway into the game. Yeah, uh, like, I don't know. I beat Fable Three. 
Yeah. I didn't beat Fable 3. I beat Fable, original Fable, which would be awesome to have backwards compatible, and Fable 2. As long as you can still kick chickens, I'll play it. I, I love the Fable games. I would like to see that talked about. But actually, there's a ton of really cool little things that uh, were brought up today. Did you guys, either of you guys get a chance to watch the Destiny 2 live event this morning? No. Um, do you, did was, either of you play Destiny? It was my destiny to miss it. <laughs> <laughs> because I do not care. Yeah, Destiny. I would. I would play it if it wasn't a MMO. I just not interested. That wasn't that interesting. I don't care yeah. about loot. So, um, no, that was cool. They announced today. There's going to be some new classes, and by classes, which I was really excited about, I thought they actually meant new classes. They mean like, new subclasses. Like history and English and uh, yeah, new yes, new class. <laughs> um, but no, new subclasses to the Titan, Warlock, and Hunter classes, and there's going to be. Four new planets? I don't know if that means that there will only be four planets, or they're adding four additional... I hope it means they're adding four additional planets, because, like, that was a problem I had with Destiny 1, too, is, like, it was Destiny 1 as well, is that it was supposed to let you go to tons of places, and in the end, it was like, oh, you went to these four places. And it was, like, the moon, Earth, Mars, and Venus, and, and there may have been a fifth place, but... It just... It wasn't very, like... You didn't have, like, a lot of exploration or discovery. It was just a basic... You know, go through this area, shoot things. Um, Real quick, Donna, have you heard the whisperings dang. of them doing after when they're done with the Final Fantasy VII remake? They want to. They're talking about remaking Final Fantasy One again. No, like with like to make it look like modern games because that was oh. the, like the guy who runs Square Enix said something about how he would Make like to Final Fantasy 6! <laughs> I want to see those characters. Yeah, well, that, that's what they're talking about. Either Final Fantasy 1 or 6. Like, those are the two they were... I think 6 is the one I want to see the most. With, like the, I just love those characters. Like, I yeah. want to see them in 3D. But... I actually just want to see Final Fantasy 16. Yeah, that'd be cool. I, I don't think, know if we'll see that. I think that there's enough momentum going forward... I mean, going from Final Fantasy 15 that they could probably make a really great 16. Oh, for sure. And I, I think... Because like the whole nature of Final Fantasy is this changing beast, and I yeah. feel like Final Fantasy fifteen, especially since it was ripped from Kingdom Hearts boys' hands, thankfully, I think we're gonna we're like at the end of that era of like Nomura influenced Final Fantasy, yeah, to be like its own thing again. Because the because there's like the whole like weird like medieval. Europe, but Eastern spirituality with like weird side like of like the original Final Fantasies, and if you want any of that flavor, you have to play Mistwalker games because that's yeah. where that flavor exists. And then there's like kind of Which that middle they don't era make games anymore. Yeah, pretty much, so. yeah, I don't know what they're doing. Um, I would be, I would love to see something in E3 from them. That would be yeah, freaking mind blowing. But um, so I would, I would love to see like the next sixteen being made by a team that. Is not is like not really afraid to like where they're not like how are we going to make our like Japanese high school boys love this and then also Western audience love this where yeah. it feels like like half the game is way too anime and half the game is way too like Western Western yeah. like I would rather have them just like say screw all of that and let's just make what we want to make make what we want to make I would love to see the next Final Fantasy that, and it, it's like a game that would be from the ground floor up because I wouldn't have like versus 13 as like a platform to build yeah. on so yeah. I would be I, that that is something that would make me very excited um, I was, we were talking about this on the way here like I'm I'm looking forward to Kingdom Hearts 3 and the Final Fantasy 7 remake I am in no way excited for them like any information that I get about them I don't care like yeah they need to be like coming out 
in the next month for me to even want to hear about them again. for Kingdom Hearts 3, what, they announced it four or five years ago, and they've just been dragging it on? Yeah, it was supposed to come out this year, supposedly, but they're now pushing it back to next year. At at some point, point, it's like, I don't care. It's like, I don't really care right now. I'm I'm sure I will want them when they come out, but I don't need, like, tidbits. Just do what you're going to do, and then I'll play it. Maybe it's my fight, yeah. Yeah, um... I don't know how I would feel about another Final Fantasy One remake because Final Fantasy One is such a fun, like such like a simple game. It it's would be short weird. too. Like it's a, probably the shortest of the ones. If I've they played. remade yeah, it's it, short. I mean, it, it's, it depends on how how much you suck at it, but because yeah. it's it's not very it's not a very forgiving game. It's pretty difficult. Yeah, um, you have to like grind to beat the first boss, if yeah. I remember correctly. So no, I had to grind a little bit to beat. I, them, so like, I beat walk the, around. I beat the, yeah. I've beaten it like five or six times. I've never beaten it. Um, I've I've beaten it on regular Nintendo, like the actual just non. Like, there's no tweaking to the system, like, just the original game. I mean, I don't know if it was tweaked for America at all, but I mean, like, the remakes that are made a little bit more playably and stuff. Right. And then I've, I've played, I think, every single remake of Final Fantasy 1 I've beaten. I think it's a, I think it's a cool game. I would be wary of it turning into, like, a full console experience, because the world is very cool. Um, it's, it's, the world of Final Fantasy 1, 2, 3, and 4, one, two, three, and four, and somewhat five, are very similar aesthetically. It's very much like kind of castles, but a little bit closer to Renaissance. With like, like in ancient history, there was science fiction. Right. So like, there's like ruins of technology, which are kind of in this. So it's there. There, it would be a fun world. It's it's a lot like the world of Final Fantasy fourteen. Um, I would just, I would feel like it would be really hard for them to flesh that out compellingly. Oh, yeah. For you sure. know, you'd have to make all, they did it okay with Final Fantasy 3, but to make it like a, a console experience, um. It'd be a whole project. Yeah. Because with Final Fantasy, the Final Fantasy 3 remake, they basically like, they, instead of nameless characters, you, they gave them backstories and they did like, added a little bit more character interaction, but then, so that was fine for like a handheld remake and stuff, but like a full console experience of Final Fantasy One, I, I would be pretty wary of. Because um, they were saying that the reason that they would make something like that is because they want to see like, hey, what if Final Fantasy was a brand new franchise that just came out and they would want to see like gamers' reactions to it. It's just an, it's an interesting if, thought, but I, I don't see it happening. If they could make it without being like overly complicated, like if they would be bold enough to make something simple, beautiful, magical... Yeah. Like all of the things that like all of the things that make the old Final Fantasy games similar to like a Studio Ghibli movie. Like yeah. You know, everything's like told very simply but very like weirdly at the same time. Like I don't know. Like I was watching Nausicaa last night and I know that you seen it? Yeah, it's very good. And that Nausicaa is a huge influence on the original Final Fantasy. You know, if they could capture that that would be great. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's the Super BS Gamescast, available this week on all Humanica Media outlets. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? 2017 is a pinnacle year for Rob McCallum Films. Coming off the heels of the internationally acclaimed and award-winning documentary, Missing Mom, we're in the final stages to release Kitty, Origins and Evolutions. 
Check out this heavy metal biopic that explores the ups and downs of rock and roll for the women in Kitty who blazed a trail in the music industry in the face of unthinkable adversity. Kitty Origins and Evolutions releases this year from Rob McCallum Films. 2017 is the year to set your future on fire. Okay, auditions for the new Earth Station Who co-host. Take one, go ahead. Hello, Stonehenge, who takes the Pandora Cup, takes the universe, but, bad news everyone, cause guess who, ha, listen, you lot you're always in about, it's really very distracting, could you all just stay still a minute because I am talking. Not too shabby, can you close this up? Earth Station Who, a fun mashup celebrating over 50 years of the Doctor Who universe. You never know where the TARDIS is going to go next. Earth Station Who podcast can be found at www.earthstationwho.com. Earth Station Who is a proud member of the ESO network. We are up on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher Radio or wherever fine podcasts are found. Peace and we are done. Did I pass the audition? We'll get back to you. Next. And we're back for the final segment of the Pop Culture Cosmos. My name is Gerald Glass from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. I'm here along with my good friend. He's the man, the myth, the legend behind Humanica Media. It's Josh Peterson. Just want to make sure everybody out there knows that we're also on Friday nights on the Podcast Radio Network, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, with the PCC Multiverse. And Josh... Along with that, they, there's a lot of great things going on with Humanica Media. So can you let everyone know out there what's going on with your great project and your great experience known as Humanica Media? A lot of stuff, a lot of things, a lot of podcasts for you to listen to and videos for you to watch. But I'll talk about what's coming out this week. We have a brand new Topicocalypse, which is my, uh, my newest brainchild. Whether or not people like it, we'll have to wait and see. But definitely check it out and give me your feedback. I, I would love to hear it. Um, you know, we got a new Super BS coming at you and a, uh, what a new episode of What About This? So we're, uh, as always, we're keeping busy, full steam ahead and all that good stuff. Now, is the What About This coming out this week or are you taping it later this week? I'm taping it on Saturday and then uh, you will hear it Monday night. Oh, that's awesome. So that, that just can't wait for that, indeed, because what about this has been gaining a lot of ground and a lot of traction. Actually, even Adam Carolla himself, one of the masters of the podcast scene, uh, recently liked a little What About This podcast as well. So that's definitely some great news, indeed, on some upcoming things. Just check it out at always, Humanican Media on Facebook and YouTube and Twitter, and you'll check out some great things, indeed, coming or currently playing from Humanica Media. Well, there was a couple of great things uh, with, that we wanted to talk about before we head on out, and uh, I'm going to save the best one for last because I know Josh is on pins and needles wanting to uh, pester me on exactly my thoughts on certain movies. So I mentioned it earlier, but we'll, we'll uh, save that for last. I want to talk to you about, speaking of, movie franchises and i know your eyes are rolling as we say this but there's another movie franchise that that's going around and that uh, there's a film company out there that's trying hard to push it again they're they're trying to take that goodwill that marvel sending them their way and in, in working with spider-man and all that and there's they're trying to take that ball and run with it by creating their own movie universe we've talked about it before about some of the possibilities that for movies left us kind of scratching our head, but Venom 
being a possible movie was kind of yeah, it's kind of maybe on the fence depending on who they got to play Venom as far as making me believe or making the general audience believe that it could be something worth watching. So we found out that Tom Hardy looks like to be the the almost the shoe in for the actor if he hasn't been signed already to lead the Venom part of the Spider-Man franchise for Sony. So I ask you, Josh, what are your thoughts on Tom Hardy being now front and center for the superhero universe, not as Bane, but now as Venom? I think that Sony's going to bury themselves. This is, I, I'm, I'm not very excited about this. I can, I, I see what they're trying to do. They're trying to take, since they, uh, you know, since Spider-Man is part of the Marvel universe right now, at least until 2019, which it'd be stupid to uh, not extend that deal, but they're trying to, what they're going to do with Venom is they're going to essentially turn Venom into uh, Spider-Man. So they can't use Spider-Man. So they're going to use, turn Venom into the anti-hero and they're basically going to spawn an entire world around Venom. You know, they have their black cat, silver sable. It'll, it'll be cool to maybe finally see carnage show up in something, but because Venom and carnage are kind of birds of a feather and whatnot, but I don't think it's a great idea. I, I mean, it would be a good idea had they had some kind of stipulation that would allow it to maybe not cross into the Marvel uh, cinematic universe, but exist alongside of it so that they acknowledge each other's existence. They don't necessarily have to be in these films, but you know, you can't have a a universe of Spider-Man characters without Spider-Man, but you can't have a universe of Marvel characters without Spider-Man either. So it's, well, I guess they're all Marvel characters, but you know what I'm trying to say. Well, Um, it's, you know, with Sony, they're just trying to have their cake and eat it too. It's pretty much what they're saying. They want money. That's it. Like there's no creative interest in this. There's no like. Sony's been struggling for years uh, as far as their movie end of it. And especially after the scandal with all the emails and whatnot, I get that. But the problem is, you know, you're creating this, this scenario where you're taking all this goodwill that Marvel and Disney are giving you by asking uh, for permission for Spider-Man to be on there. And you, Sony, making the brilliant move of just, hey, you know what? Absolutely. He's in there. Count him in. We're not going to charge you. you know, supposedly, there's no charge. Supposedly. Uh, so it, somebody might know more about that. If that's the case, then more props to you. But if it just seems like it, it's now take, come to the point where now Sony's gotten all this goodwill from Captain America's Civil War for Spider-Man being in there and Spider-Man, the homecoming, looking really like it's going to hit some decent numbers, if not very, very strong numbers, that they're now trying to already plan this out and before their, their bed's already made. And uh, Tom Hardy's a great actor, but I'm not sure creating a... a you know, a character around him and, you know, Venom, obviously we know from, from previous Spider-Man films and obviously he's somebody that that's more well-known in the Spider-Man universe than some of the other entities that they're talking about creating as, as side movies and whatnot, Silver Sable and whatnot. But I don't know. I'm kind of not convinced that, that this is going to do it. And if, if it does pan out to be the case and Venom is going to be, you know, in the Spider-Man movie, that's great. But not you know start his own in 2018 i don't know i i'm kind of thinking that this is going to fall flat on its face with uh spider-man movie franchise before it really gets off the ground your thoughts well what has sony showed us over the years they showed us that 
they're capable of making a decent Spider-Man flick, but they're not good at it. They don't execute it. Amazing Spider-Man 1, great. Amazing Spider-Man 2, not so much. So I, I just, I don't think that this is a great idea. I don't, I was hoping that it was just rumor. And the fact that they, for, with the Amazing Spider-Man universe, they had so many movies planned, including a, a movie that's centered around Aunt May, just shows that Sony doesn't care about these these stories and these characters that we all grew up with and love from reading comic books. They're just, they're after a paycheck. That's it. And uh, that greed is going to bury them. And I hope that it does bury them and that the entire property just reverts back to Marvel. What are your thoughts on Tom Hardy and Venom being part of a new Spider-Man franchise? Let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos. Humanican Media, and Game Source as well. And remember, if you cannot stay tuned to one of our shows on the Podcast Radio Network for some reason and you want to catch up on the latest Pop Culture Cosmos or PCC Multiverse, you can actually get a hold of our shows anytime at your convenience. You can download it at no extra charge on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Overcast.fm, Gunna Geek Network, Stitcher Radio, Podcast.com, Mixcloud, the ESO Network, and the Tangibound Network as well. So, for Josh Peterson... Whoa, whoa, this is Jer- whoa, whoa, whoa. You've been sidestepping uh, a serious issue here. Oh, ah. Uh, uh, what, what could uh, that be, pray tell? You know, we've been talking about King Arthur, and you've been alluding to some bad thoughts about it, and... Uh, you know, I love the movie, so I, I, I want to know so I can just tell you you're wrong. So please expand uh, on those. Uh, I just want to say, for the record, you know, we've, we've come to know each other, you know, pretty good over the past uh, couple years. And and both of us graduating at, at, at with our journalism majors at uh, National University, how, how proud I am of, of both of us, you know, reaching those heights. And obviously, you know, you being a uh, a, a profound author of the Vendetta Dark series and also as well the Ghost Toaster series. Uh, I just truly have a ton of respect for you as far as an auteur and an author and just truly appreciate everything that you've done for Pop Culture Cosmos and also the great things you've done for Humanica Media and Game Source as well. That being said, <laughs> King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, Great movie for if you want to make sure you have that surround sound going because the audio design and, and score captured the imagination of, as far as in the senses for, for some great, great listening. Couldn't have found many more movies that are that have been out for, for quite some time that, that really just sounded great and, and just really just was just awesome to hear. Yeah, I, I mean, um, whatever you're thinking right now, you're wrong, but please tell me. But then I had to watch the movie. And that was the disappointing part. They used literally every single CG trick in the book right now, currently, that's available to any major studio. I can see why it cost almost $200 million to make because they literally had all these toys at their fingertips. And at, at some point along in the movie, they said, well, let's try this. Let's try this. Let's try this. Let's try this. And some of it worked. Some of it didn't, and it really that, those parts were not really that good. Uh, but the problem is, there was some also very, very hard to follow and shaky camera work that was not necessary. 
There were some montages that it would have been great if we actually got storytelling in its place instead of montages, especially near the beginning. And just really just wasn't the the greatest movie experience. And, you know, my wife said it best. uh, This was not the King Arthur Legend of the Sword that she was expecting. I think that's probably the best way to say it. Uh, it wasn't the King Arthur Legend of the Sword that I was expecting either. Obviously, they wanted to try to put more of a modern spin on it. A lot of troubling issues because I think they were too concerned about making it look like a music video half the time more than they were trying to actually create an entire and narrative. remember, too, that they had planned this out for three movies. Like, the the outline was supposed to go over three. So I think they were planning on expanding on a lot of these stories and two or three, which they probably won't ever get the chance to do now unless uh, digital and DVD Blu-ray sales skyrocket. But like we, you know, we talk about franchises, they're, they're planning too far ahead instead of worrying about what's going to get people hooked into the first one. Definitely. Indeed. Couldn't agree with you more. And I think that's a great way to end the entire theme of today's show on the trouble with movie franchises on how to do it right. And how to do it in the case of King Arthur legend, the sword to do it a way that may not be in the best interest of the movie audience. Although you'll disagree with me, Josh. Right. Cause you're wrong, but uh, continue. <laughs> Fair enough. Indeed. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself. A great day. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode which starts right now. So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness from the Pop Culture Cosmos family. And stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is uh, episode one of Topic Apocalypse, where four, sometimes five, educated and or opinionated individuals gather around this table to discuss random topics for your amusement and ours. Eddie, what do you got for us? So uh, I'm going to switch it up and go to Cars. Um, I want to talk... Love that movie. Oh wait! I don't wait. know. I'm not excited about Cars. the third one though. Uh, the second one, the second, the second one wasn't that great. I'm expecting the third to not be so good. And this one, he's gonna crash and then turn him into a hybrid. <laughs> he's a Prius. So have you seen the BMW, the i8? I think it is. I, I, I could, I could own nice that. I could own that hybrid. It's a pretty nice looking car. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and go over the Dodge, Dodge Challenger uh, SRT Demon. Okay. And I'm gonna do its counterpart, which uh, I, I'm not gonna really, I guess, count call it counterpart because Camaro is not, or Chevy's not actually making the Camaro of this. So I'm gonna talk tonight about the Demon and the Exorcist. Okay. Um, so the Dodge Demon. 
Um, it's coming out with a 6.2 liter Hemi. Uh, <coughs> it is a V8. A lot of a lot of people have come out. There's so much speculation because you know the car's you know still getting its fine tunings and such. Um, a lot of people are coming out and saying, well, there's no difference between that and a Hellcat V8. Same exact engine. Well, there's actually they've they finally released on Dodge's website. Uh, there's going to be 25 major component upgrades from the Hellcat that include some inclusions are pistons, rods, uh, supercharger, valve train, and a new fuel injection injection system. The larger supercharger is going to give you 2.7 liters instead of the 2.4. Um, increased boost pressure to 14.5 psi. Um, it's going to get you an extra 300 RPM at 6,500. Uh, fuel, you're looking at two dual-stage fuel pumps, um, a large induction box with three sources of intake air, an air grabber, a hood scoop, and their hood scoop is actually the largest hood scoop that comes off a production car, um, a dual air catcher headlamp, um, and an inlet, inlet near the uh, wheel. Um, though it's really hard to call this because uh, Dodge is making all, this cla- all these claims about it as far as being uh, the fastest accelerating car off of a production line, it's supposed to go uh, 0 to 60 in 2.3 seconds. Um, they're saying it's the first ever factory production car with an SRT power chiller. Um, first ever production car with an after run cooler, which is the Cooler 13. Um, fastest factory production car designed to run on high octane fuel. Um, so they're making a bunch of claims world's most powerful production car. World's fastest quarter mile production car, 9.65 estimated time at 140 miles an hour, as certified by NHR 16. It it's estimated because it's not actually they don't they they don't know they yet. Don't no. Remember to the road yet? Yeah. yeah. The the interesting thing, and in, before I go too far in, is you know they're making all these claims about being a production car. When I think production car, I'm thinking you know, 30, 30, 40,000 units, um, so on and so forth. They're only going to be making 3,300 of these guys. Um, 300 of them going to Canada, 3,000 staying here in America, um, in the United States of America. Of course, Canada is in North America. But 3,300 for North America, 300 going to Canada, uh, 3,000 for here in the United States. Um, my thought is on that is what's going to happen is these guys are going to come out. They're saying it's going to be under $100,000. There's no exact price figure yet. These things are going to be bought up really quick, and they're going to go in people's garages. They may be raced a couple times, but they'll go in people's garages. They'll be babied in, you know, for probably 40, 50 years, and then they'll be sold on an auction block. It's a, it's a Corvette, pretty much. A, same mentality. Yeah. So, But Corvettes are going to continually be made. So I'm wondering if the Dodge Demon, if it becomes like this huge popular thing, obviously I think it'd go into further production. But I think what Dodge is thinking is, you know what... Being that this price tag is here, and after you hear some of the stuff you you get with it, you're gonna you're gonna be like, okay, well, this car is not for me. Yeah. Um, it so like car is really for anybody. With it, you get a custom painted demon crate. Woo! So you ask yourself, oh my gosh, custom painted? What do I get in the demon crate? And I'm gonna go ahead and tell you what you get in a demon is it crate. Like a loot crate. <laughs> Just bigger, and it's metal. Um, so you get an exclusive personalized demon crate, which includes direct connection performance parts. Front runner wheels and wait, the wait, demons. Wait, wait, wait. Huh. Crates. So they're giving you parts. Crate. Yeah. And what do you do with them? <coughs> well, what? I think it's I think it's like the Ford GT. They give you like all the like a little owner supplied kit, and you can change out little things to make it yours. Huh, sweet. 
You get a jack with it, so you could jack your car up to switch out those really awesome but tires. Which is factory on any other vehicle, okay? Yeah. Why give you extra parts if you don't need them? You don't need them. No, you need to personalize your hundred thousand dollars, uh, uh, close to a hundred thousand dollar car. Hey, you're but you get the Demon Track Pack system with it. Which hold on, let me include this one. Um, the tools touted in it have the Demon logo because they have to have that for under hundred grand. You get a hydro- hydraulic floor jack. A cordless impact wrench with charger, a torque wrench, a tire pressure gauge, and a fender cover with a tool bag. I'm all in for the tire pressure gauge now. Yeah. So here's the they'll thing. Take two. They're not even give you a bumper sticker. <laughs> no, they don't want you to put it under 100 grand. They're not going to let you have a bumper sticker. But the interesting thing is, mm-hmm. is when you buy the car, you get one seat. You get the driver's seat. That's it. Wait, you don't get seats? You don't get... You get one driver's it's seat. It's like so old you get school AC. Toyota. Yeah. You guys start building it And now. then, <clears throat> the tires that are on there are the the thinnest grade tires, because they're meant more for track, that you can actually put for the uh, Highway for, Transportation for, for Safety Administration. Yeah, they're not DOT spec. Uh, but see, here's, here's one for you. You just spend under 100 grand to get all this cool crap. To drive you go to the yourself. track, and you're like, hey, I want to race on the track. Nope. You're not track gotta, certified. Got to have a roll cage installed. So there's another few grand for you. So what do you? What is the point of this car? What do you do? What is it? the point of having it's, look a Hellcat? So the Hellcat, I'll give it to you. You get you get all the seats. You can drive around on the street <coughs> with the Hellcat. Like, but but what's but ultimately what's the purpose of it? It gets you from point A to B, just, just like any other. But car. in the Demon, you'd be by yourself. Like you couldn't. Well, take you can buy, someone somewhere. You can buy this extra seats. You can buy extra but seats. But no, we're talking about the way you said production. So the way it comes is, it, yes, is it by does, yourself. It does come with one seat. So it's like the forever alone car. Oh, here we go. The rear seat. <laughs> the forever, forever alone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's see. The rear seat delete allows the installation of a harness bar without altercation of the interior. The driveline has an upgraded prop shaft. Um, let's see. Increases its torque capacity over 15%. So apparently not having the back seats gives you better torque. Weight reduction. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's the Dodge Demon. There's there's a ton more that's just not known yet. A lot of it's um, speculation, as I said, because they there's actually just no way of knowing right now. Um, they do have a... Uh, the uh, Let me see here. Included is an awesome direct connection performance... Um, it's a little LCD monitor that's basically built into the car that lets you set up the car the way that you want it. Um, they have timers for your reaction time. Um, it'll show you all your peak and lateral uh, longitudinal G-forces, gauge readouts for the oil pressure and temperature, coolant temperature, transmission fluid. What would you actually do with any of that information? Well, if, as far as if you're actually using it to drag race on, those are all important But you important can't use it to, to drag know. race until you install the roll cage. Right. So, But like I said... A majority of these are going to be bought up. They're going to be put into a garage, and you're not going to use them. These these aren't your everyday daily drivers. So this brings us up to Hennessy Motors, which I don't know any of you are possible. Anybody knows about it. So um, basically what they did was, you know, people were saying, no, I don't don't want to buy a Dodge. Come on, I'm, I'm not a Mopar guy. I'm a Chevy guy. So Hennessy Motors came along and said, you know what? We can make a demon killer. We can make the exorcist. Even though I, you'll I, probably never see a demon out there racing unless, you know, some guy bought it and before he garages it. I do give him props on the name, though. That is the ec- freaking clever. The, like, that the, is... The exorcist. <laughs> I, yes. But that, that name comes at a cost. 
Um, so basically, so throw up green of vomit all over it. Anything um, comes with a price. <laughs> Trust me, I've seen some other stuff. A big price. But I mean, it's if that's what you're into, and you know that's what you're paying for, you're getting a good quality product. I'll, I'll give them that much. Right. So basically, you're taking um, you're taking a uh, V8 uh, ZL1. Camaro, which you're already starting off at like 63 grand. And to tune it up, to get your, your car up to where it needs to be, it's going to be an additional $55,000. So you're looking to be in this thing around over, over $100,000. So the Demon Killer is a price killer because you're paying more than the Demon. But with the Camaro, you can drive that every single day. I mean, you're not going to feel uncomfortable in it. Well, right. Camaros are nice cars. Like in general, you can, Camaros are nice you to drive in. You it's up. So, so this comes with all the seats. Yes. This, yeah. Well, well, you're buying. So the Dodge, you're buying from Dodge. You're buying from their dealerships. The Camaro, you're taking somewhere after you buy it. So, so you're buying you're a Camaro to, and taking it to Hennessy. Yeah, you're yeah. going to your local Southern California Chevy dealer, and then you're like, okay, hey, Hennessy, here's my sixty-five thousand dollar car. Make it an Okay. Speaking uh, speaking of Chevy <laughs> dealers, okay, you, have you guys seen the? I saw it on my Facebook uh, feed. The Premier Auto Deal, or Premier Chevrolet in Buena Park, they had this picture, and it was like these union, three union guys holding a big old sign on the corner, and it says, Premier Chevrolet hates Oh, yes, I saw that. Wait, what? Yes. Or, or it was like, or, or Premier Chevrolet says something like that. Yes. Leave that out if you need to. And I was sitting there, I'm like, little, yeah. like I, I need to yeah. see the sign. There was a banner. <clears throat> so I'm sitting there like, wait, why Why does this say this? Like, are they treating their workers bad? Is this like service staff? There's not a lot to it. In the bottom corner, it says local union, so on and so forth. So I go in to read this and I'm like, okay, well, what is this? It It's a labor dispute, but it's not for anybody that actually works for Premier Chevrolet. I guess what happened is, is Premier Chevrolet is going to be building another dealership. They're going to be building a Fiat Dodge Jeep, FCA. Uh, yeah, um, dealership, and they pr- they told the union, hey, if you could speak on our behalf at the at the council meeting and endorse it, we'll we'll consider you for the bids. Well, they wound up going with another company because you know the word we're going to consider you means yeah, you've got it. So it's this unit or this union trying to get back it at the dealership right. for. Is it? You see it? Yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah, it's fuck you, wetbacks. So they're they're saying, hey, this is the union's way of saying, hey, you don't back out of a deal on us. We're gonna show you. So they're basically slandering Premier Chevrolet because obviously everybody that works for the union is a yeah. What a terrible thing already. But like, I understand that it's like, okay, we're mad at you, so we're gonna go out and say this. They have about a bigger you. sign, by the way. Premier Chevrolet has put up a bigger sign that says, "There is no labor dispute involving Premier. Premier does not." promote racism the claims of these paid protesters are untrue it's true they are paid protesters oh for sure yeah because well, they're paid for by a union so your union dude is everyone no, looks like right here. Though. So a lot a giant a giant 20 foot sign is expensive to make okay if yeah. they were broke they wouldn't be able to go and that that's a nice sign too that's like it is. that's it's, quality yeah yeah, yeah it, that, that wasn't like somebody i was thinking somebody like wrote it or like painted it all no it was yeah, a legitimate no, sign was like, it's like a custom made sign that would probably cost you like four or five hundred dollars to can you, to, can you to imagine make. being the sign maker and you're just like making this big old banner you're I like i would love to 
see the person order the sign, so I want it to say <laughs> this. So anyway, so go down to your local Chevy dealership, whether it be Premier or whoever. I endorse nobody specifically. Um, and you're going to take your Camaro that you just paid sixty three grand for, which you know I'm, I'm sure it's a little bit more after your tax title and license. Um, you're going to dump fifty five grand into it. That's going to get you a larger supercharger, custom induction system. And other upgrades that exact to uh, 966 pounds of foot torque, which if you have the money to do that, I've seen tons of video where people take their, uh, whether it be their Mustangs or their Corvettes and they try, you know, to do burnouts as they're coming out of a parking lot and they wind up crashing their car. Yeah. That is just, that is just too much for anybody to have at oh, their foot. sure, yeah. Um, so the upgrade but comes. Could you really take any car to them and have them do all that so, stuff to it? Yes. Yeah, yes. Here's the ironic thing: <laughs> Hennessy took Dodge Vipers and called them Hennessy Venoms. They twin turboed Dodge Vipers. So now they're going out to kill the company that they actually made a grip load of money on, upgrading their cars. Now they're going to go to a competitor and upgrade those to mm-hmm. make sense. everyone. Happy. Well, there comes an ironic twist at the end of this. And it, it, it depends on the car because some cars you'd have to change out components. You'd have to change out axle suspension. But with, that much, with that much torque, you'd rip the entire car apart. But I'm just saying, like theoretically speaking, you could take just about anything to Hennessy and be like, make this uh, whatever for a, for, for you a want price, to call it. For, for a Raptor, price, absolutely. Velociraptor yeah, is from Hennessy. Yeah. <laughs> Those things are crazy. So it's like Franken-Car. They're, they're not, they don't discriminate, they're not prejudiced against they're in, anything, they just want the money. They love they just, money, yeah. Who doesn't? Oh, for real, yeah. Everybody so, likes money. So you can get both a six-speed manual transmission, that's what comes in it. You can also get a ten-speed automatic transmission, but uh, that upgrade for that ten-speed automatic transmission is going to cost you an additional ten grand. Thousand dollars of speed. Sweet. That's right. Jeez. Exactly. And then for an extra $9,000 on top of all of that... They'll throw in the drag pack, and that consists of twenty a pair of twenty inch wheels wrapped with uh, three fifteen thirty Nido tire drag radials, um, an upgraded uh, drive shaft, floor jack, and a tool kit. Woo-hoo! Um, and then for an extra seven thousand dollars, they'll throw in the road race pack, which includes twenty inch Tennessee wheels fitted with Michelin Pilot Sport Two Cup tires. Um, they're saying that the Hennessy will be clocked 60 miles per hour with a speed uh, within 30 seconds, or within three seconds. So, at theoretic- 153,000, it better. Yeah. yeah. Well, but it's, it's... but that's not including the 10,000 if you want no, the automatic. Is. No, I added it all. Oh, did you? Oh, it, autom- it, comes, it automatically comes in manual. Right. You have to pay extra money for the automatic. Automatic, But correct. if you live in Southern California, you need the automatic because you're just going to... You're gonna pay ten grand. You're gonna pay ten. Yeah, you're gonna bring your clutch out. You're gonna be absolutely miserable. So yeah. So though it's funny because the car car will be clocked at the sixty mile per hour speed within three seconds, but that's still not as fast as the demon. Yeah. Okay. So, but theoretically, it's not as fast as the demon because it's not there yet. The demon Um, doesn't exist. It's true. Okay. This is my question to you then. Is a lot of uh, automotive outlets are comparing, like the like Motor Trend, all these magazines and companies and people just on 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 the internet are comparing the two. They're saying, "Oh, the Exorcist can be faster than the uh, than the Demon," or and so on and so forth. But the thing is, like we we don't know any of this stuff because we no. back when the uh, the Stingray was reinvented by by Chevy, they everyone's like, "Oh, this is going to be the uh, the Viper Killer," but they said for for people reviewing these cars, they said 
you're not allowed if you're reviewing our car, you're not allowed to race it against anything else. Well, because they don't want they don't want you looking back. Well, yeah. that was the same. I don't know if you ever watched Top Gear, but that was the same with Top Gear. They didn't want Ferrari, McLaren, and Porsches being raced on the same racetrack. Yeah, because they didn't want one because a lot of it depends on track conditions, the tires they're using, the weather. Um, Barometric pressure, anything. Yeah, I mean, there's literally when I know when um, Amazon Prime did their show, um, amazing uh, Grand Tour or Grand Tour. That's right. Yeah. Um, they they send out like Ferrari, McLaren. They send out their text with the car, mm-hmm. and they'll sit there. You'll do a you'll do a hot, lap. A, ra- a hot lap, and then they'll sit there. Oh, these tires aren't right. They'll switch out so the they'll tires. They'll lower the suspension. To... Yeah, they will. They want their car running in prime condition. On one of the episodes they had that they had. Um, where they're out on the track and dude brings in a full two semis yeah. worth of equipment and techs and they're like jacking cars up, nope, nope. Just in downforce on the spoilers, everything. It was just... It's insane. And then it's because they don't want to look bad and they're like, well, well you're not technically a professional driver so we're going to yeah. give you every opportunity to make you look like one. Yeah. Exactly. That's right. So, you know, you may be thinking in your head, oh my gosh, I'm so pissed. I just bought this, you know, Dodge Demon and now they come out with this Camaro that can do this. Well, you know... Well, well, technically Hennessy, nobody's coming out with a Camaro that can do this. You have to take it somewhere and well, make it happen. But it's possible. So, the, so now, but now Hennessy Motors is saying, "Hey, you know what? We have a Dodge Demon package. We can <laughs> we can get you over eleven hundred horsepower to so beat that Camaro Exorcist." That? So what are they calling the Dodge? <laughs> I didn't even come up with a name yet. The Dodge Legion. Now <laughs> <laughs> this Legion for and now that's many. and now that's right. taken. And like I said, I did pending. I did, this research, <laughs> I did this research a week and a half ago. Over the last few weeks, there's been so much that's changing, so much that's come on. Um, so they, they may have done some testing that I just don't know about, Dodge has, yeah. um, to substantiate these claims. Um, they may have actually gone and ran the 0-60. Uh, to 60. Not 100% sure, so don't quote me on that. Again, this is a week old. And I work for a manufacturer. <laughs> they don't do it that quick. Okay. So, <laughs> I guarantee that. And I don't, and I don't, even, I don't even think the demons come out towards the, till the end of the year. Yeah. So, But see, here's one for you. You know, you, you have a Dodge Demon. You don't want to put a roll cage in it. You don't want to take it to track. Last week, I saw a news article. It was about, you know, guys going out to the streets and they'll do like, you know, their, their donuts and their racing. Right. So I, I honestly don't see someone dropping... You know, close to a hundred grand, and going to their local neighborhood oh, and be like, "Oh, check this out, my friend." <laughs> but I think this brings up a th- you know a fact because last night at the Westminster Mall they had this issue. Um, about ten thirty at night, they had a group of people going into the parking lot. You know, they had mall security. Westminster police wound up showing up. Westminster police basically said, "Hey, we need you guys to take off," and they're like, "No, you know, f you. We're just going to keep going." And they kept going. Didn't you know arrest anybody? They just let them keep going. So I think I think it needs to be examined. You know, if we're going to keep putting cars like this out on streets, maybe opening up a race night like a track night where, you know, if you want guys that want to go do donuts and be stupid, taking their liability away, you know, so well, they can't sue Ir- you. Irwindale race That's, night does it, and then they're they're still talking about opening up Lions again. Yeah, the, the problem with Lions was they closed it down because there are so many noise complaints. Really? So. I, it just need to be put somewhere where people wouldn't cry about it. So I, I think that's I think that's another thing that needs to be addressed is, you know, is there anything wrong with doing donuts in your car? No, absolutely not. Right. But, hey, let's give you somewhere safe to do it so you're not just running into, you know, the normal everyday citizen. I mean, who knows? Maybe I want to go to the Westminster Mall at 11 o'clock at night and do donuts. Yeah, I mean, what, what else chill. could I possibly want to do at 11 Damn o'clock it, at night? Damn it, I'm American. <laughs> Please. I will do donuts if I want to. So, yeah, 
that's that's the Dodge Demon and the uh, Chevy Exorcist. All right. Both both um, expensive machines. I mean, uh, as soon as you find out what they're calling like the the demon upgrade, can you let me know? Cause... I, I'm sure I wouldn't be surprised if they already have the name for it. I, I want to know what they're gonna call it. The Legion would be fun. When you're getting into those costs, I I personally would rather have you know Mercedes AMG. Yeah, I, I'd have no problem picking up one of those. They're... I mean, if you're gonna talk about those kind of products, because the thing is, is you know. Well, for the Dodge, the Dodge is you can get um, a Maserati Super Sport, a Spider. It's not like the best Maserati, but it's still a Maserati. It's, but it's a Maserati. See, okay, if, if I had that kind of money to spend on a car, I wouldn't buy. I, I wouldn't buy something like that. I would buy like the uh, Jaguar XKR or like something oh, that would be fun. fun I'm sorry, for me to drive. it's all about Jaguar F Type. The F Type. Like, the F Type. The F Type. You know, I was kind of disappointed. I if Jaguar listens to this ever in their entire, if anybody ever were listens from Jaguar. Um, I was at their Orange County Auto, or at the Orange County Auto Show, and you know they have these, they have their representatives that come out and they talk about the car. You know, we did the ninety-second tour of the F-Type Sport, beautiful car. Lady that was giving us the tour, she was awesome because you know you get keychains and stuff for doing the yeah, tour. Yeah, yeah. As long as you signed up for their emails, which I just sent to spam. Um, <laughs> but knew absolutely nothing about the car. You know, oh, hey, look, wow, this is a really nice leather interior. I mean, was she oh. pretty, though? Oh, of course she okay, was. See, that's know. the thing. They don't care. Like, they, they don't expect you to talk to pretty girls about cars. That's a stereotype right there. They're just like, yeah, but that, you know, you know that let, doesn't let mean me they're... you a brochure. That sounds kind of sexist to me. I mean, no, it is, no, but I know. it's something that they do, though. That's just, like, but, the thing. It, do, it, was, it was such a good auto show up until that point. I'm like, and, you know, I got into an XJ, and... There's so much chrome on the inside. Like, I, if you're driving it during the day and the sun hits any of that chrome, I mean, the, the light, the, the fluorescent lights inside the building were blinding me. I can only imagine if the sun hit this chrome. I don't know how people drive in these things. But super comfortable. I, Sunglasses. Still yeah. with that. Well, no, you just... Yeah. We have a camera and the sun hits the chrome off of the shifter and it's blinding me. Yeah. Well, you know, when you have those kind of cars, I guess you have drivers. Yeah. You're just chilling in the back. Jenkins? Jeez. Yeah. Take me around the park. Take me around the park. But, oh. you know, I've, the F-Type, I got into it, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, the seats, you know, they're they're meant for kind of skinnier people, like, you know, fit people. Yeah. And it's their... Yeah, their you fit track. into it. You fit. Yeah. <laughs> I can fit into some pants. I'm good. I fit. So the sides of the seat were kind of wrapping in and kind of poking me. Like yeah. And I'm just sitting there, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to buy one of these one day, and I don't care if it hurts. It's going to feel... It's going to feel so good. So worth it. Uh, I can't wait for the next auto show. 